He who comes in the name of the Lord, nobody is higher, nobody has come in the power and strength of the Lord more than Jesus. He is great and greatly to be praised. Scripture reading this morning, come on down. Turn in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2. Kids, just hang in there. I'm going to keep you with us while we read the Bible together, and then I will dismiss you. Where are we reading from today, Miss Abby? Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. Did you highlight it? I did. Wow. <laughs> I didn't want to go too far. <laughs> fancy, fancy. So follow along, Philippians 2, verse 12. <clears throat> so then, my beloved, even as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who worketh in you both to and to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and questions, that ye may become blameless and harmless children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye are seen as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may have whereof to glory in the day of Christ, that I did not run in vain, neither labor, neither labor in vain. Yea, and if I am offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. And in the same manner, do ye also joy and rejoice with me. Amen. King's kids, if you are in second grade on shorter, you are dismissed. Miss Rhonda has a good lesson for you on Palm Sunday, so shake that palm. Try not to break it. King's kids, we'll pick you up on the way out. <clears throat> there we go, I hear some boots. Raise them right, mama. Or is that dad? That's dad. <laughs> we'll take them however we can get them. I'm talking about Brad. <laughs> Amen. I've got the microphone, so I just shout you down. So here we are in Philippians. We are wrapping up a little mini, little mini series here, Philippians chapter two. After talking about the the great humility and humbleness of Jesus, in verses five through eleven. The Apostle Paul turns the corner and has some commands. His first command was work. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Remember that? Work. He expects us to do something about our faith. The second command was, somebody said their favorite part last week was, shut your holy mouth, stop grumbling, and shine. I went with the shine to be a little more positive there, but that's part of the command. Stop your grumbling and shine. It's not enough just to stop the grumbling. We need to become a people who also actively shine. Uh, some of you are going to have to work on different ends of that at different times, but work, shine, and here's the third command today. It's rejoice. Rejoice. And before I get into the heart of today's lesson i need to go back what we are going to do is look at four features of rejoicing saints four features characteristics 
or hallmarks of a rejoicing saint. Paul is going to give them to us in verse 17, and they're all about him. So we are going to look at four features. And don't be a sarcastic kid and be like, wait a minute, there are five on there. That's going to be a bonus one. We're going to get to that too, but that's, that's where the command comes in. He's going to start with himself, so four features for rejoicing saints. But we need to back up to the end of verse 16. We didn't spend long talking about it, and it, it transitions well into today's verse. Verse 16 says, Holding fast the word of life, so clinging to the word of life, that's the word of Christ, that's the gospel, he's talked about that. Christians are supposed to be clinging tighter and tighter to the gospel so that in the day of Christ, that's a phrase that parallels day of the Lord or the end of all things, the consummation of human history, when we stand before God, when we receive the final judgments for the good things we have done because we are Christians, there's no condemnation in us. In the day of Christ, Paul says that I may have reason or cause to glory, and we know he's already been glorying, so he's glory more and more and more because, he says, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. That's the, the phrase I didn't talk about last week. He wants to glory more and more so it doesn't look like he toiled in vain in Philippi with these Philippians. And the, the word vain needs to be defined here. Because in the book of Ecclesiastes, it means everything is meaningless, hopeless, vanity of vanities. It's a little bit of that nuance here, but remember this. Paul has preached the gospel to these people, and they have been saved. So his preaching of the gospel is not in vain. They responded, they were baptized, they've been organized, they're following the elders and the and the. Uh, deacons who have been appointed in that church, they are flourishing as a church. That's a good thing. So he's not saying that their faith is in vain. Here's the definition I want you to write down. Vain as in terminating upon oneself. Paul does not want the gospel to stop with them or to terminate with them. He doesn't want them to take their faith and sit on it, hide it, keep it quiet. He just told them, shine, shine so that I can glory in God more and more so that, verse 16, so that I did not run in vain or toil in vain so that the gospel would stop with you. I didn't do all this for you. I did this for God. I want to glorify God more. And, I, and Paul, he will glorify God more as the gospel ripples out and saves more and more people. That's the intent. He wants them to shine their faith out so more and more people glorify God. Verse 17. But. <laughs> that takes, takes a new meaning. But. But even if I personally am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'll rejoice and share my joy with you all. He doesn't want the gospel to terminate or end or run out in them. Verse 17, but... Even if you don't work out your salvation, even if you don't shine as lights, here's what Paul says, I'm going to rejoice over you anyway. Whoa. 
you see that? Even if you don't do all these things and follow all these commands I've given you already, let me tell you what a believer does. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord anyway. Paul's happiness and his ability to glorify God is not contingent upon people. Now, people can help him fan up and glorify God more, but he's not going to glorify God less. He's looking for reasons to glorify God more, but even if they don't do their part as the church that he planted and taught and discipled, even if they don't do their part, he's going to rejoice in the Lord anyway. Because he already knows there are some people who are doing what they're supposed to do, if if not in that church, in a lot of other churches. So he's already got a ton of reasons to rejoice. So here's feature number one of a rejoicing saint. Rejoicing saints pour themselves out for others. Even if I'm being poured out. Uh, this is the way of Jesus. Do we remember in the high hymn of praise. When Paul described how Jesus poured himself out. He said emptied himself. There, there's some strong parallelism there. Jesus is the epitome of our faith. Pour yourself out for others. Here's Paul saying, that's what I'm doing. I'm glorifying God by pouring myself out for you, for you. Jesus emptied himself out unto death. And Paul is trying to do that. <laughs> is try as hard as he may. He hasn't died yet. Snakebite, yeah. Shipwreck, yeah. Been there, done that. Stoned and left for dead, dragged outside the city because they thought I was dead. God revived me. Yep, did that. Beaten many times over. Yep, did that. Thrown into jail. Yep, did that. Like, he's trying his hardest to pour his life out. Now, he's not suicidal. Don't get that. He is relentless. He, we've read in this passage, I would rather be present with the Lord. Nevertheless, what is most beneficial for you is that I stay and keep preaching the gospel. So that's what I'm going to do. Nevertheless, to be absent from the body, present from the Lord, he's kind of got that mentality. He's like, oh, how I long to be with Jesus. He doesn't have a death wish. He has a Jesus wish. And God keeps protecting him. He's pouring himself out. Pouring himself out. Jesus is... The top example, Paul here is another example, and spoiler alert, in a couple of weeks we're going to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus as more examples of saints who are rejoicing to pour their lives out for other people. How exactly, though, does that happen? Is that just an external thing? Do I just need to serve people with my hands? Do I just need to do the right thing, dress the right way? How exactly do God's people pour themselves out? And I need to remind you, it starts right here. By surrendering our minds, our hearts, and our intentions in every task. If you are not surrendering your will and emotions to God when you eat breakfast, when you get dressed, how do you expect to surrender to God in bigger instances and circumstances at school and at work? The way of pouring yourself out for others is to first pour yourself into Jesus. Complete and utter submission to his will and his way. It'll change the way you pray. Your prayers will sound a lot more biblical 
hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's what it's going to sound like. I want God to show up today. Look for him. First, submit your mind. Change the way you are even thinking of the day and your circumstances. That's how we pour ourselves out. And then that will naturally flow into a love for others. Can you imagine that? Jesus' formula actually working. Love God, and then you'll love other people. It's pretty simple. But how do you love other people? First, you pour yourself out to God. You give Him control of your mind and your thoughts, and you take every thought captive. I beseech you by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Pouring yourself out for others is not dying for others. You can't do that. You know what's harder? Living for others. Surrendering your life to be used of others. That's hard. And all the young moms said, amen. You give up the rights to your body, your time, your privacy. You ever seen a little eyeball under the door in the bathroom? Say, oh, what you doing in there? <sighs> I'm trying to get a moment of peace. <laughs> Shoving towels under there, little fingers coming under like... To be a parent is to surrender the right to your life. You have to give up some stuff. Hey, let me, let me, let me remind you. If you're following Jesus, you're giving him permission. You are giving him permission. You have given him permission to take away all of your privacy. He is king of kings, not you. He's the Lord of your life, not you. He is, wants to be in charge of everything. He needs to be. In fact, you will be happier when he is in charge of everything. That's the great paradox. When you give him everything, you receive all of him. And for the first time, you'll realize, that's all I needed. Yes. That's pouring yourself out. So Paul is giving himself up as an example of a rejoicing saint. Even if you guys don't do everything I'm telling you to do, I'm going to rejoice. How? One, I'm pouring myself out for you. Here's, here's a second feature that we see in the life of Paul. It shows us what rejoicing saints do. Number two, rejoicing saints sacrifice their lives for others. Paul is a great example and he's discovered a huge secret within Christianity, which is the more you give up in this world, the more you gain in the kingdom of God. Paul does not see himself primarily as an Israelite or as a Roman, but as a child of God. Paul has discovered the truth in the first will be last, and the last will be first. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. Uh, I, think, uh, I think of an illustration of a, a little child at school, gracious child, who sees, who sees their friend doesn't have lunch, and just the, ch the heart of a kid, give their lunch to another kid. And then after... After lunch is over, somebody comes from the principal's office, pulls that kid out of class, sits down in the teacher's office, and gives that gracious kid who gave up their lunch 
a bigger, better lunch. God sees every sacrifice you make for others. He may not reward you in this life. He may not reward you where everybody can see it. But God will bless those who sacrifice greatly for the needs of others. He wants to do that for you. He is looking to give good gifts to his kids. He is watching, waiting on the edge of his seat, ready to bless you as you sacrifice for others. Paul knows this. Paul is a glory hog. Remember that? He wants God to get more and more glory. And what he, what Paul can't really get over is the fact that the more he sacrifices, the more God blesses him. Like, how can I outgive God today? <laughs> That's, yeah, you can't. You, you can't. You try, like the bigger Paul shovel, the more of his life he's like throwing into other people. It's like the more of Jesus is pouring his spirit into Paul's life. You want to know why he lit the world on fire? Because he was willing to die. He saw in himself, Paul, Paul, a terrible, evil person. He never loses that. We're going to get to that in, in this book. He sees himself as, oh, the chief of sinners. And yet, he lays his life down, lays his life down. Jesus blesses him. <laughs> Jesus blesses him. Uh, remember what Jesus said to Paul at the beginning when he got saved? You're going to suffer much <laughs> for my name's sake. Um, anybody here want to volunteer for that calling? He never, it's, it's like he just, he's just doing, Paul is just rejoicing over the fact that God is in his life, even if it hurts. And I'm telling you what, God is so involved in Paul's life, it hurts. He's got a thorn in the flesh. He's being persecuted everywhere he goes. He's got people talking bad about him. He's got people who are close to him, deserting him, and then talking bad about him, preaching the gospel under false pretenses. He has a lot of negative things in his life he could be focusing on. And in this, this passage today, he's like, ah, da, da, da. I rejoice. You're not going to stop me from rejoicing. God's going to work it out for good. All of it. God sees your sacrifice. Church, let me remind you. God sees your sacrifice of time. God sees you sacrificing your career for the betterment of your family. God sees that. God knows about that. God knows when people set their dreams aside to help other people. He sees that. He sees that. He knows it. God knows when you set aside your hopes so you can meet the needs of other people. You could spend a whole lot of life on yourself but you'll be miserable. Don't worry about sacrificing more for other people. You can't outgive Jesus. He will take note. He will keep record of it. And you will get him. Abraham, I am your great reward. The same God of then is God now. God doesn't just want to give us stuff. He wants to give us himself. The substance of knowing an eternal being 
in whom and with whom we can be content and happy forever. And in this life, you're only going to get a little slice of that pie. Kind of like coming to youth group on Wednesday night. That pie did not last long, like vultures. Maybe it's because people don't make pie very often nowadays. I put out a couple pies, I blink, and there is gone. There's crumbs on the table. I'm surprised nobody was over there going, putting the crumbs in their mouth. Like, what in the world? Goodness, that was crazy. I, I didn't get any. Maybe that's why I'm shocked, because I like, okay, I'm going to let everybody go first. Don't let them go first. They will eat you at a house and home. I'm preaching to the choir, though. You all know about that. So feature number two is rejoicing the saints. Write this down. Sacrificing your life for others. Jesus Christ is exalted. He is exalted to the highest throne precisely because he sacrificed himself for others. We saw this in verses 10 and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Well, how did he get so high? Verse 9, God exalted Jesus. Well, wasn't he already the Son of God? Yes, but God did not exalt him to the highest throne till he first sacrificed himself for others and proved that he is the only perfectly humble being. He humbled himself. That is why God highly exalted him. Have you not read any of the parables about being faithful over little and then being made faithful of much? That's the principle. If in this life you will become a greater servant of more people and sacrifice more in this life, he will give you more in the life to come. And I can't paint that picture of heaven for you. That's for us to find out. He's not told us all the details. He's revealed several things about heaven, the goodness of being with him forever, but he hasn't painted out all the details. There is something special going on. And the more you sacrifice now, the m- for the gospel and for Jesus and for the good of others, the more he will reward you in the life to come. Jesus Christ is exalted to the highest throne because he did it first and perfectly. Saints who sacrifice their lives for others will rejoice. Feature number three. Rejoicing saints serve the faith of others. Paul says, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. Service, serving the faith of others. That is an intentional, um, pointed, and deliberate action on our part to feed, invite, and help the faith of other people, which is becoming a lost art and a very individualistic, self-serving consumer culture that we live in. We're, we're worried about how we look, how we sound, how we promote ourselves. This is, this is becoming a lost. <laughs> it's never going to be lost as long as the gospel is on the earth. God's people are supposed to be good at serving the faith of others. Um, just the nature of my job, I very af- often have to talk to people about their sins, about their struggles, and about their habits. And yes, we deal with that, and there's a lot of counseling that goes on. 
a lot of prayer that goes on. But I, the more and more I do that, the more and more I realize, and sometimes it happens in the second or third counseling session when I it just, like, just this huge wave hits me. It's like, we are so self-centered. We always need to talk about how we've been hurt, what we're struggling with, what we're going through. And we do need to talk about those things. But being, being the point man, you know, hearing it from all these different people, like we are all hung up on ourselves. For good and for bad. Sometimes it's bad and we're doing selfish things and, and we need help breaking those habits and addictions. But sometimes it's just this internal struggle of woe is me. And you're just stuck thinking about yourself. And in this feature that Paul is talking about serving the faith of others, I see something that is a very useful prescription for selfishness. It's serving. Serving others helps break the cycle of selfishness. It's not a panacea. It doesn't fix everything. It will not inoculate you from other problems in your life. But sometimes the very thing you need to do to break out of what's going on in here and you being torn up by what's going on in your own life, just get out of your comfort zone and serve somebody else. Start in your home by serving without grumbling. Covered that. But then make a deliberate effort. Talk to Bruce or Jana and go serve at our daily bread. Go serve lunch to somebody. Volunteer with us when we do the welcome table and serve a meal on a Sunday night. Get out. Break the cycle of your own living for yourself, focusing on yourself, and just get out that and serve people. Have you prayed for Lenny this week, Eric? Amen. One of our teen girls was serving uh, a lady and just engaged, I'm really proud of her, engaged her in a gospel conversation, and it got way over Katie's head real fast. And Katie did the best thing she could think of. Let me get somebody. And she comes to me and Eric, and I had a mouthful of food. And I pointed Eric, and Eric went and sat, you know, sat for the next 20, 30 minutes talking to somebody uh, about spiritual things. Like That wouldn't happen unless you take the time to prep. You guys had given the food people working in the kitchen. We're serving all these other tables. Eric takes time to show up. Katie takes time to show up. She's a teenage girl. You think she has better things to do with her life? TikTok. It's, it's a mess, right? She could have been doing other things that would have made her happier. You know what? She, she Man, she's just smiling from ear to ear. She was just pumped that somebody was receptive to the truth and wanted to talk about spiritual things. Yeah, you know where you find those people? When you serve. Just serve. It's not always going to turn out that way. Eric and I don't have deep spiritual conversations with people every week at the welcome table, but we're, we're looking for them. We're looking for them. Serve. Serve the faith of others. Sometimes that's what we need. Not always. And don't ever neglect the people that are closest to you. Don't give up on them. I don't care if you invited your brother, sister, mother, dad to church for 50 Easter's in a row and they haven't come. They should count on you to invite them this week to next Sunday. Don't give up. 
don't give up. As long as you have breath, God is not done with you yet. If you fall over dead before Sunday, you're done, all right? You're released, and you don't have to invite anybody to church. We'll probably just do your funeral on Sunday, knock it all out at once, and just, you know, your family's going to be here anyway. We'll just make a big deal. That'd be kind of weird, handing out candy to kids on your funeral. Be like, like Mardi Gras, Easter, funeral, day of the dead. We'll just roll everything into once and say Jesus overall. Just done. That, just, just Jesus. Um, but you're not done yet. And don't give up. Serve somebody else this week. Look for ways to serve. Feature number four. Here's something else rejoicing saints do. And we see it in Paul. He says, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. You could even, in parentheses, <laughs> write this down. Whether you want me to or not, I'm sharing my joy. And some of you are really good about that. You're that kind of personality just bubbling over with positivity. It's like, okay, enough, enough. Does anything ever go wrong in your life? You're like the Instagram model for, for Jesus. Like everything is hung. Oh. <sighs> Keep it up. Keep it up. Shine that light. For the rest of you who are like me and have a darker sense of humor and maybe just a little more pessimistic about things, this is going to take some effort. Sharing your joy is going to take some work. And it's pretty common because life is hard. Life is stinky. A lot of you work in places I don't even like to go to, especially the nurses. I don't want to go there. I want to go. Please don't make me go to the hospital. I don't want to go to that clinic. Uh, uh, mm -mm. And you're around negative things all day, and it's hard. Here, here's my prescription for you, something that I've found to be useful for a lot of different people. When you don't feel like you can rejoice, don't make it up. Turn to the book of Psalms and start reading about David. If anything could go wrong in your life, it went wrong with David. You could sin in any possible way. David probably did it. People talk bad about you, David. People neglecting you, looking you over, David. Your friends become your enemies, become your frenemies, David. Some people you really want God to snuff out, David. Read David, and here's something else you're going to notice. He's very human. But man, does he have the tendency to always turn the corner and rejoice in God. No matter how vicious his prayers are, he doesn't live that out. You know why? Because he takes his prayer life vertical with God. He lives that way wide open with God, pours his heart out before. He is a man after God's own heart because he doesn't hide anything in his heart. But then when he goes and lives horizontally with other people, he's not snuffing them all out. He doesn't live out those prayers. He leaves it in God's hands. And time and time again in the Psalms, he ends up starting rough, negative and he turns the corner and boy is he rejoicing by the end when you read the psalms and you need help rejoicing rejoice over what david rejoices in he's gonna be god he's not gonna rejoice in himself you rejoice in god you rejoice in what david is rejoicing in so read the psalms and then Share them. That's the point. The point is not just fill yourself up with rejoicing. Man, I am full. All right, great. That's good. You're full of living water. 
Let it flow. And then share that joy with others. Take that joy home. Take that joy back to work. Take that joy to your class, to the gym, to the store. When you find yourself down, read the Psalms again and again to regain your joy in the Lord. And then, like Paul, share it. Paul is doing that in this letter. He's writing a letter to share his joy. When was the last time you wrote a letter? Uh, actually, it's been a couple weeks since I had to write a letter. I still haven't put up the courage to mail that letter, but I wrote it. What about you? Cards? If you need a lesson on card writing, see Roy. He's my personal card mule. Serving the Lord, old school. Because everything about him is old anyway, so I just might as well put it all in there. That's that's the, <laughs> that's the way it is. We love each other, right? Is that good? And thanks for wearing those shoes to church this week. You're looking sharp. Looking good. Sharing your joy with others. Cards. Letters, email, texts, sharing your joy with others. Not just saying, telling people you love them, you care about them, you miss them, but thanking God for them. I thank God for you this week. I thought of you and I prayed for you and I miss you. Glory to God that he brought you into my life. I miss you. Thank you for the way you raised me. Thank you for the way you blessed me. Thank you for this. Send some joy out there. Let people know you are not just enjoying them, but enjoying them and you're thankful to God. That, that's, that's the key here, is sharing your joy in the Lord and letting people know that it's about God, pointing people. And there are hundreds of ways every day you can, do, you can share your joy. When was the last time you shared your joy with a random stranger? Well, I could never do that. Yeah, you can. Buy the groceries for the single mom in front of you at Walmart. Well, how do you know if she's a single mom? If she's shopping with a boatload of kids in tow, just treat her as a single mom because she's feeling it at least at that moment, right? You get over here, you get over there, and you step up, and you, here, use my card. What, what? You need to pre-plan a single line of rejoicing. When you buy somebody gas, when you buy somebody's meal, when you're in Starbucks or you're at Da Vinci's, you buy somebody for something else, you look them in the eye and say, God has given me great joy, and I want to share that with you. That's all you've got to say. It's all you need to do to point people back to God. If they want more, they'll ask more. But at least you are representing God in that moment with great joy. God has brought so much joy into my life. I just want to share some with you. Brace for the tears. <laughs> Every now and then that's going to come. And some people are just going to say, yeah, thanks, whatever. That's okay. You, are you doing it for them? No. Paul's not. Paul went to Philippi, didn't know anybody there. Didn't love a single person there. Correction, he loved everybody there. He loved God so much that he loved those people, won them to the Lord, loves them more, wants them to love on more people. He wants them to work, he wants them to shine, and he wants them to rejoice. And that's where we get this bonus feature. Because verse 18 is where the third command comes in. That command doesn't come through in all the different translations. The ESV says, be glad and rejoice with me. I'm in the New American Standard. He says, and you too, I urge, rejoice in the same way that I have rejoiced and share your joy with me. So here's the, here's the bonus feature of a rejoicing saint. They receive more joy 
from others. Because there's something strange that happens. People who rejoice often attract other people's rejoicing. When people hear you rejoice in the Lord, it's like you've set them free to open their mouth and then they rejoice in the Lord back to you. That is amazing. Because if we sit down and think about it long enough, all of us in here have reasons to rejoice. We all do. You're alive today. Yes, you've had some hard times and hard experiences, but you've had some good times and some huge blessings in your life. And if somebody will stand in front of you and start rejoicing, it's just going to come out of you. You're going to be grateful and thankful, even if you don't want to, even if you were angry when they started rejoicing. It kind of puts you in your place. It's just the Holy Spirit saying, stop grumbling, shine. Look at this person. They are rejoicing over these small things. God might speak to your heart. Um. You haven't rejoiced like that in a while. How come they're rejoicing in their job and you don't? How come they're rejoicing over their health and you don't? How come they're rejoicing over their kids and you're not? How come they're... The Holy Spirit is good at turning just the right way to shine the light on the darkness of your heart. Learn to rejoice and shine that light yourself. And then confess, repent, repeat. Just rejoice. Learn to rejoice, and you will actually receive more joy from others. I find it kind of humorous that Paul has to command them to rejoice. He's like, here's what I'm doing. Here's what Jesus did. Now, y'all, rejoice! Like, he's, he's using the most uh, uh, powerful phrase he can think of when he com he's commanding them to rejoice try that with your kids next time they're weeping you look at them and say you rejoice see how uh, what i mean first of all you're just like wait what how can i be happy everything's going wrong man I've got, you got a roof over your head you got clothes you got you, you, in practice now when they're little because you're gonna have to do it a lot more when they're bigger <laughs> you have to remind them they have reasons to rejoice hey adults you're not any different you get so discouraged and upset by the smallest things that God could turn on its head in five seconds. He can do more in five seconds than you can do in five years, struggling through your job, laboring through your work. And then God could fire somebody, hire somebody, promote you in a heartbeat. Boom. And you're like, oh, I didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, finally, you caught up with God. You never had anything to do with it in the first place. Will you just rejoice already? I'm in charge here. The darkest point of human history is the crucifixion of Jesus and everything is silent on Saturday I want us to be people on Saturday who rejoice even though it's dark even though nobody hears us even though there's no music even though there's nothing going on nobody outside this building is going to know what's going on nobody else is invited this is a church thing I want God's people to show up rejoice and then we'll be loud on Sunday rejoicing saints receive more joy last three blanks you ready rejoicing is about the goodness of God it's not about circumstances you don't just rejoice when things are going great when God is blessing you with material things that's false and hollow Rejoicing is about the goodness of God, not the goodies of God. 
It's about God. Rejoicing is about resting in Jesus, not resting in your works, your achievements, your abilities. Those will change and those will be taken away from you. Either through old age or possibly the government, everything you have is going to be going bye-bye. But you still have reason to rest in Jesus and realize nobody can touch what he gives. You're safe. Store up your treasures in heaven. Let everything else be what it may. Be wise, make plans, but ultimately our rest and our hope is in Jesus. Not our own works, not our achievements, and then rejoicing last is about satisfaction in God's spirit. Being content to know I am sealed, I am indwelt. He is guiding me. He is teaching me. Church is not about numbers or tasks or accomplishments. It's about being in step with God's spirit. Amen. That's a good reason to rejoice. Finding your satisfaction in God's spirit and what God has given you and what God will continue to give you and being satisfied with God himself. There's going to come a point in your life when that's all you have. It's coming. Get you, prepare your heart now. Be satisfied with less and aim for more. Stand with me. Let's pray. That's the Holy Spirit calling Rick Batchelder. I got something for you to do, brother. <clears throat> Let's pray. <sighs> God, thank you for this word from Paul today and this reminder that we need to be told to rejoice. That is so true. My heart is so prone to wander and dwell upon things I don't get I don't have. My mind is always planning and scheming to satisfy myself. And God, we need you to remind us to rejoice, first of all, in our salvation. That you were kind enough and good enough to send us Jesus. And we rejoice in him humbling himself, taking the form of a servant and dying in our place for our sins. And we rejoice that now we can fellowship with you through your spirit. God, please give us softer hearts that turn away from sin quicker and that rejoice in your goodness more often. That's our prayer. Help us to do that as we sing, as we give, as we invite people to services next week. Uh, change us, God. Change us into a church that is so rooted and grounded in the truth that we can rejoice no matter what is going on outside this building. Make us an untouchable people. 
living by the power of your spirit. That's our prayer today. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, you silenced the bolt of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are Nothing can stand against 
What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. From Romans 15, verses 10 through 13. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with all God's people. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may all abound in hope. God bless you this week. In the name of Jesus, amen.